Welcome back, everyone. Phil Dawson here for the Magic the Gathering unofficial audiobooks podcast. And first and foremost, a big reminder to all my current patrons, please head to the Patreon site, fill out the Google form that is currently posted. This is your way to get in on the Loyalty Rewards Club. It is live, folks. And beginning next week, I'm going to start sending and shipping stuff all over the world. All these goodies going out to our loyal listeners. Now, this month, we're rewarding our year and a half, one year, six month, and I think even I can do our three month members. You will all receive something. I got stickers and can koozies, mugs, even t-shirts with the podcast logo. And like, yes, I know it's not the best design, but hey, this is our first run. I've done everything by myself up to this point, so just enjoy it. These will be the ones that prove how long you've been around, right? If you're interested in being part of the Loyalty Rewards Club, all you have to do is join the Patreon at any level, and your time will start being counted. You hit a milestone, you receive something. But you also have to fill out that Google form. Give me permission to send you stuff, your address so I can get it to you, and I have a few other optional questions to try and make this, what we're doing here, even better. Because as of now, the whole goal of this thing is to continue to make this better for you, the listener. And that's why I want to do it. Because there's no reason for me to do this without you. I mean, I could just read the books. But you all give me the motivation, the the excitement, the praise, the the adoration, the, the ego boost. And I feed off of it and just desire your approval and money. Give me your money. What the heck? No, no, no. I'm only kidding. But the reality is... We don't have any other financial goals that we're trying to hit right now. We got travel and birthdays out of the way. Everything's out of the way. Well, except mine. My birthday is next week, so feel free to send me something. But in all honesty, everything you put in collectively will be coming back to you one way or another. And this is what's really making me excited about the future of this project as we continue on. And remember, we have a lot and a long ways to go. So if you get in now, your time will just keep adding up. Also... Because it's just the beginning, and I don't really know what I'm doing, uh, you all will probably benefit off my ineptitude in handling stuff like this. So what I'm trying to say is, like, come on, let's go. Let's get going on this. Uh, We only have three chapters remaining of this cycle before we move on, and I really want to be a creator that you enjoy supporting because you get more than what you put in. And that's this whole group mentality, and the patrons that we have now are awesome, you can Join the Discord. It keeps getting better and better, and I'm so proud of our folks there. And personally, again, I really appreciate you all listening, so I'm just going to keep going, and I want you all along for the ride. And you can get rewarded for being along for the ride. That's what I'm trying to do here. So with that being said, let's see what's next. Let's go. Chapter 24 The artificial thunder of hooves pounding the ground stormed across the battlefield as Devis's cavalry tore through a thin advance line of black-clad warriors. Sword and mace and lance rang against each other and glanced off metal armor. The screams of dying men and women, the shrieks of a wounded horse, all added to the cacophony of chaos that enshrouded the field. The air stank of sweat, blood and the gore spilled upon the ground. Beneath it all was the hated scent Liani remembered all too well from centuries before. It was the scent of glistening oil, the stench of 
Phyrexia. Lyanne parried a slashing attack directed at her by one of the tall, spindle-limbed warriors. She turned its sword with ease, spinning into a reposting arc that severed the head and part of the shoulder from its body. Slime splattered onto her own armor, spotting it opalescent finish with inky foulness. She kicked over the creature and paused to catch her breath. A century ago, she would not even register the fatigue. One more sign that age was finally claiming her. Terry! The marshal called out for her aid, a weary eye on the large engines moving in the Phyrexian backfield. Terry Capuchin swam up through a thick knot of fighting, moving with a grace that belied her relative newness to the field of battle. Message to Gavon, Lyanne ordered, naming Terry's brother, who Capuchin forces held at the center of the field. We're holding the flank, but the enemy has moved both war engines opposite of our position. If we're going to break the line, it'll have to be done from his position. Go! Terry was off, but rather than race to the rear lines where she might hope to grab a mount, the young warrior peeled away at a tangent and fought past a number of Phyrexian guard before breaking into the open field where her legs carried her toward her clansmen. Lanny could not help but being torn between pride and frustration for the reckless maneuver. Remind you of anyone? Karn asked, his voice easily carrying over the sounds of battle. The golem carried a large shield in one hand and a huge mace in the other, his normally bright silver finish streaked with black foulness. Two armored Phyrexian warriors clawed and cut their way past one of the Saren guard, bringing their long swords in at the silver man. The golem took one slash against his shield, stepped back from the other, then brained one warrior with the mace. The polished helm caved under Karn's great strength, and the warrior dropped lifeless. The Saren officer ran the second Phyrexian through, her blade flat to the ground in proper fashion as it burst through the neck joint. The creature inside died with a gurgling screech. She stepped up next to Karn to take advantage of the natural shield the large golem presented. Of anyone, she asked, changing the question. Of everyone, all of them, from Rory all the way back to Jeffrey's first son. They're all in her, and more. She felt a moment of pity that Karn could not remember Terry's progenitors, but then a spike of curiosity wondered at how he had come by asking such a question regardless. How many could he remember and compare her to? There was no time to ask as Karn stepped forward into a new hole broken in the Saren line. A small, stoop-shouldered creature, more artifice than flesh, sprang for the opening and was slammed back hard by the golem's shield. It scampered back, hiding behind the legs of a guard elite. The golem thrust his mace forward like a spear, the large spike on its top, piercing the slender ribcage area and winning only a thin trickle of oil. The creature's slender arm shot out, raking scratches across the golem's near-invulnerable silver form. Its other arm, covered with a variety of blades, tubes, and strange artifice, slashed inward as well, but was fouled by a spear thrust from one of the Sarens. The Phyrexian turned against this new opponent, tearing past a spear and shield and through the Saren's chainmail. It ignored Karn's attacks, determined to put an end to one of its enemies. Lyony leapt forward, shouldering aside her own man and taking his place before the onslaught of fast lethal metal. Karn continued to rain sledgehammer blows against the back of the Phyrexian's side. Lyony's sword kept time with the creature turning aside its hard-hitting blows with inches to spare. Then, the marshal missed. The beast's slender arm sneaked past her guard, piercing the armor that shielded her right hip and digging slender talons in, bone deep. Lyanne fell back, rolling away from the creature's grasp. It bought her time, seconds only. She knew she wouldn't rise back up on the wounded limb. The Phyrexian followed, ready to finish her off. It would have, except for Karn. The golem cast away his shield, wrapping his large hands about the reinforced shaft of the spiked mace. He came at the Phyrexian with an overhead rounding blow that caught the armored creature at the upper curve of one shoulder. The guard stumbled to its knees. 
Karn spun around, placing his weight and incredible strength behind another blow that buried several points into the Phyrexian's small face mask. It toppled back, screeching in a sound that reminded Lyanne of sharp claws drawn over a board of slate. Karn helped Marshall back to her feet, lifting her one-handed. Lyanne winced, putting pressure on her leg. Can you stand? he asked. Can we stand? That was the question haunting Lyanne's mind through the shroud of pain. For the second time in her long life, the first being on Sarah's plane when her people had been subverted by Phyrexians and led against their own, the marshal felt doubt in battle. This is what she had been created for by Sarah. It was all she knew, and it wasn't enough. Lyanne shrugged off the golem's help, anger at her own weakness making her abrupt. I'll be all right, she exhaled a short exclamation of frustration. We'll make it. She answered her own question, regaining control of her emotions. Shouts of confusion and fear now erupted from the center of the Capuchin lines. Lyanne grabbed up her main standard, planted nearby, ready to signal her next order. Her battlefield experience whispered the reasons behind the upset even before word finally reached the Sarens. Gavon Capuchin had fallen, slain by a monster, the word said. The Capuchin middle sagged, Phyrexians pressing forward. Lyanne paled, recognized the beginnings of a rout, and knowing the slaughter that would follow. She remembered that she had sent Terry straight into the middle. Terry Capuchin had been close enough to see her brother fall. His personal guard holding the center of the banalished line, the Capuchin standard driven into the earth while Gavon lent his own sword to the fight. Never one to sit back, he shared the danger and inspired those around him with his heroics. With sweeping arcs, he took the spindly mechanical arms off a Phyrexian warrior, the edge of his sword striking sparks against the black armor. Spraying oil, the creature fell back and one of the ornate armored guard moved up into its place. Gavon wasted no time with this one, pulling the short rod from his belt and thrusting it forward. An ancient gift from Master Malzra, artificer and matchmaker. The rod was a Capuchin heirloom. Malzra had promised it a defense against violent artifice, though it should be used sparingly. One of the Phyrexian guards, so much metal crafted toward lethal intent, seemed close enough to the old artificer's description. The creature's slender arm slashing in toward Gavon's throat froze immediately as if the metal joints suddenly fused. The abomination shuddered to a stop. It became a frozen statue on the battlefield, and her brother simply shoved it aside. As it crashed to the ground, its animation stilled forever. The clan's leader, personal guard, shouted out a cry of, Gavon! Except her brother had not noticed the malformed, black flesh creature stalking the lines and moving against his position. If he had, he ruled it a minor warrior due to its lack of metal armor. Its bloated chest rippled and pulsed as it moved forward on thin legs. Large, hook-shaped claws trailed nearing the ground at the end of long arms. Glistening crystal eyes glowed a dull orange as it riveted its gaze on Gavon. Terry simply knew that this creature needed no armor, that it hunted her brother. Gavon! she yelled in warning, pushing frantically past other Capuchin warriors and laying about with her sword when the enemy pressed in too close. One long Phyrexian blade snaked through to slice away part of her leather armor, scoring a shallow cut along one arm. Terry ignored it. Gavon, no! From the other shouts of the clan leader's name, Gavon missed the warning. The creature leapt forward over the last 20 feet, legs driving out as if it was some kind of titanic insect. Before landing, it already began to spew a dark, sludge-like substance that stuck to Gavon's arm and chest. The chainmail protecting his body held up, but the leather strips on his arm began to smoke at once. Gavon had time for a single backhand slash at the monster, his blade hardly cutting the tough, wrinkled flesh over one shoulder, then it stuck fast. Twisting violently to one side, Gavon's sword was torn from his grasp. The Phyrexian craned its head forward. Its chest heaved and its throat expanded. 
A torrent of black sludge belched over Gavon's face and shoulders. The young clan leader screamed, hands clawing at his own face as exposed skin began to blister and smoke. Blinded, thrashing about in pain, he made an easy target. The great hook-shaped claws seized Gavon, lifting him from the ground and with a violent scissor-like motion, left him in two large pieces. Dead. Terry stood in shock, the battle forgotten as she stared at the rain of her brother's body. So close. She'd been so close to helping. She had taken a horse from Liani's flank. If she hadn't wasted valuable seconds in any of four different fights along the way. The Phyrexian army pushed forward, now spearheaded by the monstrous beast that killed Gavon. Suddenly, Terry realized how close they were to a full rout as news of her brother's death swept the lines and demoralized the Capuchin. These black creatures, never skilled in working as a coherent unit, were pushing forward singly to exploit the sudden shift. Beneath Terry's doubts and recriminations, she found the spark of rage, which she fanned until it warmed her entire body. She knew these things for evil they represented, preying on a moment of weakness engineered by some kind of special monster. Springing forward into the monster's path just as it set upon one of Gavon's personal elite, Terry parried an attempt to fasten those hooked claws into the soldier and watched for her opportunity. She had recognized the nature of the creature's movements necessary to call up its terrifying weapon. There again was the bellow-like force of its bloated chest, an expansion of the throat as it craned its head forward. Gavon's sword was still stuck in its shoulder, a warning against any slashing attack. Instead, she ducked into the creature, risking its claws as she drove her sword forward with all of her strength into its throat. She left it there. Sludge leaked out down the blade. She danced back, avoiding the claws that suddenly flailed about as if possessed by their own mad intelligence. No weapon, Terry wrenched the nearby Capuchin standard free of the ground. Reversing it, she bore it back at the Phyrexian like a spear. Its ornate tip aimed unnearingly for one of its crystalline eyes. The dull orange gem shattered and she drove through into the head. Leaping up behind the attack, she rode the creature backward into the middle of the Phyrexian line. Terry counted herself dead, perched atop the creature's bloated chest, disarmed and surrounded by the enemy. She expected a finishing stroke any time. She didn't care, having avenged Gavon, having blunted the Phyrexian advance. Then a black-armored warrior to her right stumbled and fell, one arm missing and its chest pierced by a sword. The sword was still held by the Capuchin warrior she'd saved seconds before. Only a fraction behind her were two more of Gavon's personal guard, driving in on her left and pushing the enemy away from her. She took quick stock of the battle. Four of them were in a tight knot in the midst of the Phyrexian line. Wrenching Gavon's sword free, her own covered by too much of the burning sludge, Terry also took hold of the Capuchin standard and pulled it from the creature's head. She waved it crisply back and forth, the white and gold ensign fluttering and snapping. Three men to her force and clan still in danger of rout, Terry accepted the only option left to her. She led them forward on the attack.